posture of the heart, if you're going to walk in your calling, is humility, gentleness, and patience. Mm. That there's something very powerful about humility, both in a proper understanding of who you are and who God is, right? There is a God, and you aren't Him. Hey, welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. St. Ignatius said, the glory of God is man fully alive. Jesus said, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. This podcast is here to bring God glory through you becoming fully alive and you bearing much fruit or having powerful results in your life. I believe you can use your unique gifts and talents to change the world. If you listen to this show and read our blogs, you will be inspired to take your own journey of faith to become a man or woman who is fully alive, making an impact in the world around you. I interview people that I think are awesome that are doing that today to inspire and to challenge you. You can do the same. Let's get rolling. So I'm going to turn to a page in your book. Um, it's your call, and I'm going to read a quick paragraph, and i got a question for you. Yep. And, it's, and it reads, uh, you see your calling or glory is in you. It's not something you go get like a degree or a position or a title. It's already written in your life, though it can and must be developed. Your glory compels you to do something in every situation, a compulsion that you can choose Uh, that you can choose to go with, hold back from, or ignore. It is what your heart almost always sees, knows, notices, wants to do, or is burdened by. Your glory is written on your heart, and you must go there to discover and understand it. And the question I have is, when you say it is written on your heart, you must go there to discover and understand it. What do you mean by going there? Okay. So in in Philippians 2.13, Paul says, For it is God who is producing in you both the desire and the ability to do what pleases him. So what he's saying is this life that God wants us to live, his will for our life, however you want to say that, it, it is written in our heart in the form of our desires. You see, the really good news is that what we were created to do is what we most want to do. That's the really good news. So many people think, well, God's will, uh, for me to live out God's will, I must sacrifice who I am. Therefore, I must do what I do not want to do. Right. You know, I must. Well, the truth is, as Scripture says, no, actually God has put in your heart the desire to do what he wants you to do. Now, there will be sacrifices along the way, but you were created to do something, and that's what you most want to do. So we have to go to the area of desire to understand what it is that God has created me to do, my calling, this life he wants me to live. To go to desire, we have to go to our heart. And, and our heart being not just our feelings, it is the, it is the truth about who we are. Um, that's why God says, you know, I've come to uh, change your heart. I need you to forgive from your heart. I dwell in your heart. I speak to your heart. And it goes on and on. It is the core of who we are, and we have to go to that. Uh, and that's where desires reside as well. Most of us, men and women, and particularly men, do not go to the level of the heart where they live with who they really are, 
what's really going on, their struggles, their joys, their heartbreaks, their wounding, um, their dreams, that's the level of the heart. And most people will not go there because that realm not only has, you know, desire, joy, dream, fulfillment there, but it also has sorrow, disappointment, heartbreak. And for most men, we don't want that second side, so therefore right. we don't go there at all. Right. And, and that's the tough thing about the heart. It's all or nothing. You really can't pick or choose with the heart, with who we truly are. It's, it's, it's everything. So we have to go to that level if we're going to discover what God has written on our heart. The other thing about this is that the, the territory of desire is like a, um, a, a field with landmines. Yeah. You have to walk it carefully because not every desire is good. We know that. Um, you know, there are desires of the flesh, and Paul says, now don't, don't go there. You know, that will not turn out well. If you, if you live out the desires of the flesh. There are certain desires that are created through wounding. There are desires that are created that the enemy brings. But there are the true desires that God has implanted in our heart. And so we have to know how to walk that terrain mm-hmm. well. That, that takes cunning. That mm-hmm. takes spiritual discipline. takes wisdom. But we have to go there. You can't avoid the heart. And, and start to understand, you know, who it is we are. And let me throw out one more thing, and I'll, and I'll let you, you keep asking in that, in that area. Yeah. And that is that I, I define it as our greatest compelling, because that desire, we are all people of desire. We are. We live from our desires, whether yeah. we know it or not. And that's why Paul warns about the desires of the flesh, because if we entertain it, if we give it a place in our life, we'll live from it. And we all, I've got plenty of stories of living from desires of my flesh and regretting it. You right, know. right. Well, we do live from our desires. We have to go there. We have to discover this. And when we discover this, this desire that God has put in our life, it becomes a thing we must do. And, and all of us feel that we have something we must do. We can't define it. Yeah. And, and, and what happens is when we can't define it, we can't find clarity, we do everything we can to mute that voice, to dull the, the, the compelling. And so we go to other things to try to dull it, or we, you know, other types of work and pursuits, or, you know, we can go to things like alcohol, drugs, sex, whatever it is, to, to try to find another desire to overlay over that one to make it be quiet. Because that one doesn't go away. God's compelling doesn't go away in anybody's life. Hmm. So uh, there is a process that I've heard through through your teachings that that talks about God awakening this, God mm-hmm. deepening this, and then God fulfilling it. Can you just quickly comment on that process? Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. So, so God has to awaken the desires that he has put into our heart. Because the enemy is constantly trying to, to dull, you know, put to sleep, mute, or, or shame or those distract. desires. 
demon distract. Yeah, absolutely. And so God will bring in different things to awaken our desire. Like, for instance, the story I told you earlier of going down the hallway feeling, in a sense, kind of numbed, kind of asleep, until this guy tells me, this clarity he's getting over his life from some of the questions I gave him. That awakened my heart. Yeah. And God was saying, okay, now wake it up. I want you to see what's really true about you right now. Yeah. And, and he may awaken our heart. Well, he does it so commonly through movies. We are very much, we've always been a story culture hmm. as human race, but now very much our Western culture is movies. <clears throat> and so he will bring, and he does this in my life all the time, and I know he's done it in yours, He'll bring a movie into our life, and we will come to tears, yeah. or we will come to a point of passion. And that's God saying, okay, now I'm, I'm awakening your heart. There's, I, I've touched something in you that I need to come to an awareness of in your life. Yeah, and let me, <laughs> let me add this point. A lot of times we get awakened to something, and then we think, oh, uh, this is where I find joy, fulfillment, or, or whatever it is. And then that classic line out of Zorro, the film, you will go and uh, fight bravely and die quickly. It's like right. we go, and uh, even back to our comment about timing, we get awakened and we think, well, I feel it, so n- no better time than absolutely right now. And we're not even close to ready. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's been that's been the downfall for so many people that's caused them to back away from their calling because they had this, you know, this hard, bad experience from from rushing out yep. and trying to do something they felt God told them to do. But they interpret that as right now. Right. So perfect. That, there's an awakening process where we go. I think that's what I want to do. I think that's who I am. I think that's the thing that God has given me, that powerful thing, <clears throat> that strong thing. But there is a waking process, but there has to be a deepening, as you're saying, Mm. where God says, okay, I've wakened your heart, but you don't know enough. You don't understand what this is about yet, or you are not able to carry this yet. So hold on. Let me deepen your understanding, Mm. and let me deepen your ability to handle it. You know, one of the things I talk about is that God will will, uh, allow you to see the desires of your heart, but then he has to give you... He has to give you the strength of heart to handle those desires well. Mm-hmm. And so he gives us all sorts of experiences. You know, he'll say, hold on, and he'll reinforce what he just showed us through a person's comment in our life, through something we did and we did well, or we didn't do well. And he said, okay, now I'm giving you more clarity um, as to who you are that I was starting to awaken. It's or almost like a, you, a training, like being it it. trained towards the goal. Yes. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I, an illustration that I use often in the, in the retreat is a clip from Apollo 13, where these astronauts were chosen as astronauts. They have been trained as astronauts, but they have to go com- continually into, into the simulator, into the training module, again and again, day after day after day. You know, and, it, and it's a simulator to help them understand, so how are you going to handle this? How are you going to handle this? Or, boy, you see how you just lost all of your training in that moment of stress. Let's go back. Let's train some more. Mm. And God has us continually in simulator situations mm-hmm. to develop, to train, to remind us, to deepen mm. the, the, the glory, the, the calling that he's put in our life. That is so loving. 
it is Absolutely. so loving of God to do it that way because it's sort of like if you do it the other way, the, the very thing that God made us to bring and to experience kind of it just like vanishes out of thin air because we weren't trained for it. We weren't ready to kind of hold the weightiness of whatever it was the Lord was wanting to give us. Absolutely. It really is the kindness of God. Yeah. You know, I, I think one day we're going to realize what he saved us from by holding us back in that moment, that we were not ready yeah. or the circumstance was not ready for us to enter into. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and then following that train of thought, so there's God awakens, then he deepens, and then he fulfills. And there's a moment where he says, now go. Go walk in this. Go offer this. Try it. Take a risk. Because it's only in doing something, honestly, that we come to actually own what God has revealed about who we are, where we go, man, I love that. I, I sense the presence of God while I was offering this to this person in this way. You know, I could do this my whole life. And God is saying, absolutely, this is what I made you offer. You offer it. But what's important to understand is in the offering, in the fulfilling process of awaken, deepen, fulfill, in that process, he awakens more, he deepens more, and he says, now, go walk in this deeper place now. So it's a continual cycle of awaken, deepen, fulfill. And when we realize that, <clears throat> we can walk in that cooperating with God. We can walk in it with God rather than fighting it because we can say, oh, I, I think God is awakening something else in my life right now. I think he's deepening something. That's why I'm not able to do it, <clears throat> but I'm learning more. So it's good. It's a deepening process. That's a good thing. Mm, that's so good. I have seen a tendency to where um, this quest, I'll call it, uh, can become a bit of a self-absorbed obsession. Um, you are very seasoned in this. How would you help people navigate so they don't get stuck in the process? Yeah, yeah. Well, right. What we want to do as we learn how to be alert and oriented is we want to become um, self-aware but not self-centered. Mm-hmm. There's a huge difference between those two things. Because being self-aware of, you know, first of all, of my humanity and my walk with God, I'm, you know, I'm just aware of God's patience in my life. I, I'm aware of his gentleness in my life. I'm aware of his calling me out of things and calling me into things. As I'm very aware of that, then, then I am... I am able to be kind and gentle and patient with other people because I'm aware of it, of God's doing that in my own life. And, you know, that change in my life and growth in my life takes time. I'm aware of it so I can be patient with other people. That's extremely important because that's how we walk in humility. Mm. But also, I'm, if I'm self-aware, I understand what God has given me, this aspect of the glory of God that he has put into my life, the, the weightiness, the brilliance, the, the, um, the splendor of God that he has given me to carry, and that that gift from God, he makes it very clear when Paul says, so what is it that you have that you have not been given? 
And if you haven't given it, why do you brag? Right? There's, there's nothing to brag about, about the, the glory of God that he's given us, this weighty thing. And we have to realize it is a gift to other people. It is both a gift to us and a gift to others. If that gift, does, if that gift stays in us only, that gift goes sour. It goes bad. Mm. But it's to give to other people. And so it, what I've seen happen is, is that as we come to an understanding that God really has given us something amazing, Right? Our, our life is not <clears throat> simply one of, you know, living in our depravity and, and trying to believe God's tolerance and forgiveness of our depravity, depravity, but rather he has forgiven us. He's given us something glorious, weighty, a calling that we are to bring to this world that's needed. In that, you know, first of all, most people, that is a revelation to them. Yeah. And they're fascinated. And that's a depth they have never seen in Christianity before. Yeah. And, and, and they can think, that's it. That's the depth. I'm just staying right there. And, and, they, and they forget that, no, this is actually a transition point to something even more and deeper, and that is to you offering it to others. Yeah, so good. And, and so we have to live there. We can't live in the, the, the self-centeredness of who am I? What do I have to offer? This is so cool to be able to talk about this. That, that's a waypoint. You know, that's a transition point. Yeah. That's a great way to, that's a great way to frame it because th- I do see people kind of get stuck in that mode and, and it, it just kind of turns in on itself. Whereas the Lord, like you said, it's all about the glory that he wants to express through that person's life to another. Not that they just kind of, you know, circle, you know, circle around the drain, if you will. <laughs> right. I, listen, I think that's a great metaphor. It, honestly, thinking about a drain or a toilet, you know, it just circles and circles and circles. And it's, when it's done, it's going to go one direction. <laughs> you know, we, we have to spin out of this, right, yes, exactly. into the lives of other people. That's right. So and, I, and I'll tell you, there, there's real, you know, greater discovery so further awakening and deepening and fulfillment only happens as we offer. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So um, last question I want to cover with you is uh, what have you learned along the way about the role of setbacks, disappointments, detours, or even hurts um, as a means of God kind of shaping us to help us fulfill our, our deepest calling? Because um, sometimes I believe people from dis- self-discovery to fulfillment can get uh, kind of sideswiped in life through circumstances, relationships, and it just unravels them. And it's like I didn't, you know, they get really surprised by it. And and then you're you've walked a lot of years and you've seen a lot of things. So what kind of a, you know guidance can you provide people that are that are seeking this path? Yeah. That is, that is again, again, another profound point in our journey with God and, and into our calling and offering it. So one of the things that Paul said was he said, um, I urge you to walk in a way worthy of your calling, that you would walk in all humility, gentleness, and patience, forbearing with one another in love. Hmm. So Paul is saying that, the posture of the heart, if you're going to walk in your calling, is humility, gentleness, and patience. Mm. 
that there's something very powerful about humility, both in a proper understanding of who you are and who God is, right? There is a God, and you aren't Him. Hmm. God will remind us of that, you know, as we start thinking we are more than we are. Um, there is this idea of humility, uh, both of understanding who we are, but the, the true definition of humility is also owning your true life, not exaggerating it nor denying it, but owning your own life. There, the, the power of gentleness, right, that we are actually gentle with people. Because if we are not, if we are harsh and we are demanding and we are tyrannical, hmm. people will not receive what God has given us to give to them. Because they don't even want to be with us. Yeah, amen. And with a lack of patience, the same thing. They will push away from us very quickly, feeling our demand on their life, so, so we can no longer then offer to other people. Now, one of the greatest ways, I believe, and I see in Scripture, of learning humility, gentleness, and patience is through the hardships we go through. You know, Oswald Chambers said that sorrow burns up a great deal of shallowness in a man. Mm. And you can always tell a man who has gone through the fires of sorrow by the way he, that he receives you. Mm. That there is, <clears throat> there is something about hardship that, that breaks us, that, that pride, that arrogance, that self-confidence that's not healthy. Mm-hmm. And, and we go through those and those things start to break. We start to, it burns up shallowness in our life. We absolutely need it, that there's a God confidence versus a pure self-confidence that we have. Mm. The other thing is that, you know, we, we find, and speaking of the title, The Noble Heart, you know, at the end of that parable that Jesus gives about the seed and the sower, he says, but the man with the good and noble heart who hears the word, who retains it, and through perseverance, produces a crop 30, 60, and 100 fold. That, that his emphasis is perseverance, and you persevere through trials. You don't persevere through easy things and joyful things. You persevere through hard things again and again and again. So perseverance is absolutely key, which is through hardship. Mm-hmm. The, the other side to this, let me just say one more thing with that, and that is this. <clears throat> we have to have strength in our heart, and we have to have compassion. We have to carry both things, and compassion comes through hardship. It's only the hardships that I've gone through that I can understand the sorrows that other people go through. Hmm. The other side to hardship is this, that often what we have gone through and, and God has brought us through, he will say, now you go back into that specific area and you rescue people because you know what that terrain is like, right? You know what, that, you know what that's like, so you can reach back into their life and say, I've been there, I know exactly what it's like for you. I wanna walk you out of that. And so sometimes he will speak to us very specifically about our calling through our hardships. To say, I mean, I'll go through things and I sense God say to me, now don't forget this. Don't forget what it's like and, and remember how I brought you through because scripture says, the comfort by which you were comforted by God, you comfort others as well. So hardship is an, an invaluable and unescapable sense of training and calling in our life. Hmm. Well, Gary, it's um, 
what a privilege to talk to you. Uh, it, you know, I'm just thinking back on my own journey, and, and what you're saying is, is just really deeply resonating with me. It, it's so, so true. And in the process of awakening, deepening, fulfilling as being a continual process, uh, is a is I've found to be true as well. So if people want to learn more about what you what you offer, where would they go? Do you have a website? Yeah, they would just go to thenobleheart.com. Thenobleheart.com. And there they'll see any retreats that we're doing, what we call intensives. Uh, they'll find the book there uh, and, and, and other resources, audio, you know, books, free resources, other for sale, and so on. So they can find it all right there. Awesome. And uh, in, for all my listeners, that, that uh, if you at all like this podcast or like what we're doing, you absolutely need to get this book. It's your call, Gary Barklow. Um, it will transform your life. And if you at all can attend any of his retreats, please do so. They are transformative. Gary, thank you so much for your time and for coming on. Troy, thank you. This has been just really fun doing this together with you. And I I hope you and I do more kind of joint ventures for the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Okay. Thank you, Gary. You're welcome. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want any more information about The Kindling Fire, just go to thekindlingfire.com. Uh, there I've written an ebook called You Can Certainly Do It that I'd love to send to you. Uh, or if you want to up your game, I have the 30-Day Fire Starter Challenge. You can hear all about that at the website. Thanks for listening and be awesome.